Beryl Tomei made some whopper mistakes in her career at Amazon. So have many other people. And in this episode, Beryl points out that's one reason Amazon is so successful. Innovation is critical for success. And failure is a critical part of innovation. The Innovative Leadership Institute teaches resilience and other ways leaders can grow from their fumbles. You can find out more and take our free leadership assessment at InnovativeLeadership.com. This is Innovating Leadership, co-creating our future. I'm your host, Maureen Metcalf, the founder and CEO of the Innovative Leadership Institute, where we help leaders be future ready. Helping us in this mission today is Beryl Tomei, Vice President, Last Mile Delivery and Technology at Amazon. We're talking to Beryl on Cyber Monday about her leadership, about innovation, and also how she's developed and learned from mistakes and grown her leadership skills. Beryl, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you for having me, Maureen. I'm excited to be here. How's it going on Cyber Monday? We're having a pretty big day here at Amazon. It's Cyber Monday. I'm at a fulfillment center, actually, in New Jersey. And there's a lot of activity, a lot of energy. We have millions of deals for our customers. We're all about great value, great saving. And it's going to continue through the holiday season. This is where the magic starts. We're pretty excited. Let's go back in time. 2004, you started with Amazon as an intern? I was a software engineer intern in 2004. That's right, in Seattle. And so exciting that you've spent your entire career with Amazon and progressed to now a very significant role. Can you tell us a little bit about that journey for you? Of course. It's been a really fun journey. I've been fortunate enough to work in a variety of areas across the company on a ton of innovations. And it's been a journey of, I would say, learning and resilience. I think one thing that I personally struggled with, especially earlier on in my career when I was a software developer, is making mistakes and how you, how you kind of deal with those mistakes and where you go from there. Amazon has a culture of being accepting of that and very much focusing on learning which really helps because you want to focus on resiliency and taking the appropriate action so we don't repeat those issues. I'm happy to share one or two stories from the early days that I struggled with. In my first six months in the company, I was working on our retail website and I made a code change that broke the thank you page when you purchase an item. And if you imagine this page completely blank white on our US Amazon.com website. You, you can imagine this was a pretty terrifying experience for someone out of school for six months working here. So I had a pretty tough time with that, but the folks around me were very supportive and it was a journey of what happened, what was the root cause, what do we learn from this experience and what actions we're gonna take in the future so we can prevent the same things from happening. So collectively, it makes us better for our customers. It kind of makes me better. So I was very grateful for that. You know, we all have challenges. And I think the really key thing is how do you build that resiliency? So how did you build that resiliency? I worked for a computer company. I sent a customer letter and I had misspellings. This was back when we had administrative assistance. I thought that they would catch the problem. They did not. And it went out. And I remember being yelled at, 
I think it may be the only time I ever cried at work. Well, I'm sorry. Oh, thank you. I I never sent out anything with a misspelling that I know of since then. Yeah. It was so emotionally challenging because I was at the time 20. I didn't think people were going to yell at me and call me names and that kind of stuff. So how did you get through making such a visibly external mistake? The thing I kept reminding myself, and I had great support from my manager, from my coworkers, I think it would be hard otherwise, is everybody makes mistakes and everybody will always make mistakes. So there's never a point you get to in your career if you're in, in it 20 years, 30 years, 40 years, you're still going to make some mistakes. Hopefully they're different mistakes and we don't repeat the same things. It goes all the way back to what do you learn from that particular experience? That's really what's helped me through it. And, you know, I can recount a ton of things, but you pick yourself back up, you focus on the customers, you know, solving the immediate problem, and then you learn from it. So I'm going through those experiences in in this environment and the culture that Amazon has was incredibly helpful to me over the past 18 and a half years. For myself, and I wonder if this is also true for you, it's the self-talk. So I do something like that, and then I reprimand myself more than any boss would ever do. And I carry it home with me and continue to do it. Is that something you've done, and how did you learn to shift that off? Absolutely. I think, uh, you know, sometimes we have a very high bar for ourselves, and we're probably harder on ourselves than anybody else. So, you know, often in my head, it's more serious, messed it up, and you kind of just keep repeating it. So I can totally relate to that. Again, I think I've had a lot of just amazing people around me being encouraging and settling me down a little bit and giving me perspective. That perspective really helps, you know, when you think about truly hard things or hard problems. And maybe a small mistake doesn't seem that big a deal in the grand scheme of things. For me, I know that I'm never going to be in a state where I'm totally fine. I think that's part of being human. But over the years, I think I've been able to temper it through experience, through support. But it's a journey. I think it's a journey for all of us. I love the phrase, you learn to do hard things by doing hard things. And that's what I hear from you, that I did things that were at that moment the stretch for me. I made the mistake, I was surrounded by people who supported me, and then I stepped up and did the next hard thing, and I had a lot of successes in between, and then I made another mistake. Totally, and I think that's how we learn and grow. If we're not tackling the things we're afraid of or hard, you kind of stagnate. One example for me that I really worked at, because I was terrified of it, is public speaking. I worked at this for years and years, going back over 10 years, and I think a lot of people can probably relate. You get up on stage in front of 50, 100,000 people, whatever it is, and it's a really difficult thing to do for a lot of people. But how do you get better? You get better by practice, preparation, training. I feel like unless you store yourself deep in it and practice, maybe with some boundaries and constraints, so it's a little bit more controlled in the beginning, so you're not totally at the deep end. I think that's the way to learn and grow. Is there a most recent either mistake or what I'm curious is the kind of fake it till you make it? Where did you (laughs) fake it where nobody knew and you pulled it off? Public speaking is definitely one of them. I have a technical background. I have a computer science degree. 
And for the bulk of my time at Amazon, I worked in product and technology team. And a few years ago, going back to my prior comment, I wanted to learn a new area and challenge myself in new ways. So with support from those around me, I took on some businesses. And that was a terrifying period that's more recent in my journey because you're in charge of something and you need to learn about those areas that you haven't done before and learn how to make decisions and add value to the business, to your customers, to your team. So the set of meetings I had in the first few months and the discussions were challenging and you try to wade through, but it's a lot of you got to invest in learning you got to ask questions. That's totally okay. I had to figure out how to make decisions in the space. These were things like legal, public relations, business development, finance. So just had to build a lot more depth in those spaces. Did you have mentors and go-to people who helped you as safe advisors? Yeah, I do. I think mentors work well for a lot of people. And I think it's important to find someone you really click with. If that doesn't happen, I think it's totally okay to say, okay, we're going to we're gonna part our ways and that's totally fine. What's worked really well for me is what I kind of call in the moment learning or mentorship. It's not infrequent for me to walk into a discussion, even today, and hear an intelligent person or someone who knows more than I do or how to approach that space and learn from them in the moment. Often, if I think there's something more, I'll ping them and just ask them for a little bit of time. Hey, do you have 30 minutes? We can just get a one-on-one discussion. And if you don't mind, I'm going to ask you a few basic questions just to improve my understanding of this space. And we have great mentorship programs at Amazon for folks that are looking for more formal. But I like the bite-sized learning and mentorship as well, because there's just so many, so much innovation, so many smart people around us that feel like we should take advantage of it. I assume you mentor people also. I do. I do. Where I think I can be helpful and useful based on my experiences, I want to give that back because I've been so grateful to get that in my journey. So yes, I do have a number of mentees, but also the in the moment type of, hey, let's talk about this thing. You know, how would you approach it next time and, and feedback and mentorship. So let's jump into innovation. You've had a significant role in helping plan and bring into reality some exciting innovations with Amazon. I've been at Amazon for 18 and a half years. I've been fortunate enough to work on some pretty innovative products for our customers through that whole time. I spent a bit of time in retail, but I actually worked on the first Kindle back before it launched. And that was a really innovative piece of technology and device because just being able to download a book wirelessly in under 60 seconds was just not something that was ever done before. Looking ahead, I've been in last mile delivery. This is the final step of a package's journey to the customer doorstep for almost 10 years where we've done a number of innovative initiatives as well. I'm happy to talk about a few of them. One of the most exciting ones, I think, is our investment in electrifying our fleet. We've partnered with Rivian to build an electric vehicle delivery van that has a ton of safety features and optimized for driver comfort. And we have 10,000 of these vehicles out on the road with a goal to get to 100,000 in 2030. 
one piece of technology my team built within our fleet, even beyond the Rivian piece, is called Fleet Edge. This is a computer with sensors that tries to understand the world, the physical world around us. So we're able to get more information like traffic lights, stop signs, road hazards, and we use computer vision and AI technology underneath so that we can improve our understanding of the world to build safer routes, better routes, and provide a better driver experience. I imagine that what you do with scheduling people, packages, loading trucks has to be quite the technological feat. That's right. There's a lot of technology behind it. And one thing that I always want to do and our teams always want to do is plant seeds in the future to drive that innovation. So we have a lot of ideas, a lot of experiments we're trying. Some of them work out, some of them don't work out. We're totally okay with failure because that's how we believe we can innovate. So AI technology is a big part of that. We're also investing in a lot of programs. We have a program called Hub Delivery that we just recently launched this year in 2023. This is where we partner with small businesses that have a physical footprint, a small store, and they'll deliver packages in their community for us. This enables them to make some extra money with the capabilities that they have. And it's great for their communities and neighborhoods and for customers to get their packages. So that's just one of our programs. We have many more, but it's also part of our investment in the small business community. That's really exciting. I'm just thinking about my grandmother. This was years ago, so she's not an opportunity, but ran a flower shop and had a delivery van delivering flowers. Partnering with Amazon would have been a beautiful opportunity because she's already driving to many of these neighborhoods. They had the vans. We find a lot of these businesses because it's so close, they can walk too. It's funny you mentioned the flower feast because I was in Manhattan over the summer visiting some of these partners. One of them was a flower shop. Another one was a pizzeria. And the owner for the pizzeria, he was amazing. He was doing the pizzas and talking to me and mentioned as they're delivering pizzas, they'll also deliver a package because again, it's within their neighborhood or customers will come in to grab a pizza and also get their package. So the community and neighborhood aspect, I think is pretty inspiring. It's just great for them. They were very excited about the program. And it changes the impression of Amazon also as a big, more impersonal organization to partnered with my community. If you're delivering to my yoga studio, I would be delighted to pick up my packages when I go to yoga. I've been with the company almost 19 years and looking at it from the inside, we want to invest in these small businesses and we want to do really well by customers and our employees and we've supported them for a long time. Another one in my space is the Delivery Service Partner Program. These are hands-on entrepreneurs that we partner with so that they can build their own delivery business. So when you see the Navy Amazon vehicles driving around in your neighborhood delivering packages, that's part of this program. And one really cool thing, a point of pride for us is this program's generated over $45 billion in revenue for these small business owners in the past five years. We just had our five-year anniversary, so we were celebrating that a couple of months ago. But it's just been incredible to see these flourish. Congratulations on five years. And let's dive into that. 
because I see the Amazon trucks go down the street. And so those Amazon delivery drivers work for a subcontractor or an external company. They're not actually Amazon employees. The delivery drivers work for these small businesses. We have over 3,500 of them around the world. They employ over 279,000 people, including drivers. So we partner with these small businesses and they run their teams in the way that they see fit. We run a leadership firm. If I wanted to also augment our business with Amazon delivery, I assume that I would have to follow labor guidelines set forth by Amazon. We have contractual obligations and requirements that these owners work with us on. So there are a number of policies and expectations that are listed there. To be a delivery service partner or to be a hub delivery partner, there there are specific contractual requirements. I have a stepdaughter who worked for one of those companies and she was paid very well and she had medical insurance. It was a game changer. And I assume that that was an extension of Amazon. We work with the delivery service partners on things like value added services where they can offer benefits to their employees. But taking a step back, We want to make Amazon a great place to work for our employees. And that means great pay, great benefits. This year, we're investing $1.3 billion in pay. And we have a great comprehensive benefits package. But one of the things I'm most excited about is upskilling and our investments there. Through to 2025, we're going to invest $1.2 billion in upskilling over 300,000 of our employees across the operations network. And some of my favorite programs there are, we have a mechatronics and robotics apprenticeship program where we're retraining folks on robotics-related and software engineering-related skills. We also have something called career choice where we prepay for college tuition for bachelor's and associate's degrees. Ultimately, we want this to not just be a job, but ideally a long-term fulfilling career for those who choose to stay with us for the long haul. It's exciting to me to hear both. And specifically, as we think about AI and what's happening in our world and the pace of change, that employees get the opportunity to upskill rather than become obsolete in a fairly short period of time that Amazon's investing in creating the workforce that they're going to need in the next year and two years and five years. That's right. We have major AI and technology investments. Robotics is another one. The building I'm in right now in New Jersey is a robotics facility Across the entire network of hundreds of buildings, we have over 750,000 robots. And these robots use computer vision, machine learning, and various AI techniques to help our employees on things like lifting heavy objects, reducing walking distances, repetitive motions, so that it's a safer and more ergonomic experience for them. And what robotics has enabled is also the creation of new jobs, to your point, Maureen. We've seen the creation of over 700 new categories of jobs. And that's why the mechatronics and robotics apprenticeship program is something we're really excited about. What do you do in your non-work time to recharge yourself? There's probably not much non-work time this time of year. It's a busy time of the year, but I love to read. I love movies. I'm Canadian. I grew up in Canada with hockey. 
And Seattle actually got a hockey team to be we're next third season, Kraken. So I've been going to a lot of hockey games and whenever Canadian teams come and play, Oilers, Canucks, Leafs, it's a moment of pride I get to hear, oh, Canada. So it just kind of takes me back. So I like spending my time on that. Cool. I'm also an avid Radiohead fan. I love music, but it's very narrow. I love Radiohead. I love Queen. I love Beatles. So they're usually on repeats of some sort throughout the day. And so you do listen to music throughout your day. I do. I do. I've had a very obsessive relationship with Radiohead when I was 15. This is back in the 90s, late 90s, when we had fan sites. I don't know how many people will remember that. This is before social media. But I made a Radiohead fan site, spent all my free time on that outside of high school. And the band noticed and I got to meet them later on in school. And there was a startup that was purchasing a number of these fan sites to create a broader community. And with that purchase, it actually paid for my college education. So been a long time Radiohead fan in all the ways you can imagine. Fabulous. I love the story. And I also, when I think of building resilience and how music impacts our brain and how we recharge and what it does to our emotions, how on a difficult day or when I'm having a difficult experience, music is often my go-to. Me too. I have my favorite songs, Maureen, and they just calm me down and level me. So I think everybody probably has their own thing. And it's important to make space for those little moments that really help through the day. So I I totally agree with you. Let's bring that back then to innovation, because we can't innovate if we don't have both the space in our calendar and in our energy. I may book an hour to be thoughtful, but if I'm overwhelmed and exhausted, I'm not thoughtful. I'm more spiraling and answering email. And it sounds like you have both a routine to recharge yourself and to plant the seeds that you've talked about for innovation. Yeah, innovation has to be, I think, a constant to be able to do what we do for our customers and small business community, our employees. And one thing we introduced a couple of years ago in my team is we have this idea of org days, so organizational days. And this is where we take an entire day away from work and focus on the theme of that day. We have eight of these days that we're doing. One of them is called Think Big Day. Think Big is an Amazon leadership principle. It's all about innovation, looking ahead, thinking bigger for our customers. And what we do on this day is we just have our teams brainstorm moonshot ideas, crazy ideas, probably a bunch of ideas that will not work out. But the idea is to encourage that kind of bigger thinking, not narrow. That's one way we've created structure and an explicit way for people to think about innovation. But at the end of the day, I think it has to be part of our ongoing day-to-day thinking. You know, you see a challenge somewhere or a customer need. Constantly think, how do you solve for that? How do we innovate? What are the big ideas and crazy ideas? So is there anything you can share with us that you're excited about, whether or not it's going to turn into reality? Because you've said sometimes ideas seem interesting and they don't turn into results, but they're worth looking at. And they're exciting. They are exciting. Not everything works out. I actually worked on Firephone. So this was over 10 years ago. We invested in building our own phone. 
But we actually, at the time, planted many seeds after Kindle. We had Fire Phone. We had another project that never saw the light of day. We never launched it. And the other two seeds we planted at that time were Alexa and Fire TV, both of which we know are incredibly successful products that our customers love. We also know Fire Phone didn't work out, but if we hadn't taken the action to plant all of those seeds and be comfortable with the risk of failure and potentially massive failure, we never would have invented those two other really successful products. So we also want to encourage that piece. I'll share one more thing within last mile delivery. At Amazon, we do yearly planning. We call it OP, operational planning. So what every business unit, every technology unit does is they go write a narrative, you know, the Amazon classic narrative six-pager on their plan for the following year and how they're thinking about their space. So a few years ago, we wrote our plan. We were really excited about it. We thought we had a great plan, solid results. And when we went to present it to the senior leader that we were meeting with, he read the documents and said, great plan, but it's not that exciting. Where are all the moonshots? Where are all the big ideas? And my heart sank because I realized immediately we just missed the seeds part of it. And those little experiments, innovative things we're going to look at that are going to bear fruit in five years and 10 years. So that was an eye opener for me. And one reason we did the Think Big Days, but also, you know, what are all the ways we can kind of encourage that thinking? That was a pretty important moment for me from an innovation perspective. It's a framework we use often, but we talk about first we have to deliver on the basics, financial performance, customer expectations. The second piece is then once I'm delivering, I focus on learning and growth. So delivering and growing. And then the third part of that is what is the moonshot? What is our opportunity? If we are to show up and be the best thing we can be, what does that look like? As I listen to you, I hear a framework that allows that to be possible. Because most people say, of course, we want to be the best. Just like people say we value our customers. And I hear that on the recording for 45 minutes as I wait for my luggage that's lost in the airport. Not helpful. The difference is very rarely do I hear actual processes and culture that reinforce a process to identify moonshots, integrate them into what you're doing, test them. I'm sure there are parameters around what we invest and how we make sure that we're financially viable. We're not playing roulette. We're prudent with how we invest and we don't damage our customers in the process. Yeah, that's the framework and we have structure around it. It's kind of an and game, not an or game. We want all of those things and we've tried to create mechanisms and a culture that fosters that kind of approach and thinking. I think another great example of that is something we did this year, even with us having last mile for almost 10 years, it's called regionalization. Before we used to ship items from any part of the United States to a customer. What we did is we broke up the country into eight regions, and now over 75% of our orders we ship from within that region. And that's done a few things for us. It's reduced the number of miles traveled through the transportation network, which means faster delivery speeds for our customers. And that's very important to us because it's convenient. 
less miles traveled also is great for the environment for our carbon emissions. And finally, it's reduced Amazon's cost. So this is another piece of more recent, fairly major innovation that's been a win-win-win for customers, the planet, as well as our business. And soon you'll be delivering a fair amount of your products by drone. We are testing drones. That's right. Those are very exciting as well. I saw our latest model recently. It was pretty neat. And that will, I assume, then integrate into what you're doing in the Last Mile program as one tactic among what you're doing with partnering with small businesses, what you're doing with the Rivian fleet, and several other initiatives that we haven't talked about. We take a multi-pronged approach depending on what our customers' needs are. So you're absolutely right. We have delivery vehicles, we're electrifying our fleet in locations like Manhattan, for example, we have walker deliveries because that works best for that geography. We have e-bikes in some locations, we have rickshaws in India, drones as well we're playing with. So it's whatever works best for that specific use case and whatever it takes, we want to innovate around it. You said win, 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 customer planet, and Amazon Financial. Is that a general set of metrics you use in evaluating if an idea should move forward? For regionalization, those were the three outcomes that we had. Generally, we always, always work back from the customer. That's pretty ingrained in Amazon's DNA. From an operations perspective, safety is our top priority. And we've made major investments over a billion dollars since 2019 in safety technology, safety processes, initiatives. We have over 8,000 health and safety professionals across our network whose full-time job is to obsess over safety. So it kind of depends where we're looking at. But again, customers are in our DNA. Safety is in our DNA. It's our top priority. We want to ensure our employees have a great experience working here as well. Beautiful. Thank you so much. How would our listeners learn more about your initiatives, not just how to shop during Black Friday? Our store is always a great place. We also have a blog at aboutamazon.com where we talk about our customer-facing initiatives, employee-facing initiatives, safety topics, community investments, small businesses, sustainability. So anything about what we're doing For those groups and our initiatives, you can also find there. So if I'm a small business owner, because I assume many of our listeners are, and they want to partner with you on delivery or some other option, how would they get in touch with you? We have different websites for all these initiatives. Like, for example, for the Delivery Service Partner Program, it's logistics.amazon.com. But I think the website I gave earlier about amazon.com, that one, they'll be able to find appropriate links from any topic. With all that you've shared, I imagine many of our listeners would like to be small businesses that partner with you or be considered for employment. How would people reach out to you if they're looking for opportunities? We have more information at the bottom of our website, Amazon.com. There's a career section for all types of employment options that we have. You can also find links to how to be part of the small business community, whether it's being a seller in our store or joining the hub delivery program or the delivery service partner program. 
your listeners can find those on our website. Farrell, thank you so much for joining us today, especially on one of your busiest days of the year. Thank you so much, Maureen, for having me on the show. I appreciate it. To our listeners, please like us, share us, follow us, and contact Amazon. Amazon.